Hello, Ambush, and welcome to today's episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast here with me, Colton G. And on today's episode, I am joined by Safwan of Wide Mouth Mason. We're going to be talking about the 20-year anniversary of their album, Stew. Yes, it is the 20-year anniversary of their Juno-nominated Funkadelic hit Loaded Masterpiece Stew. And we're going to be going behind the details of what went into this album. What was the road that led up to Stew? It was a short album cycle between 2000 Stew and 1999's Aware I Started. So what was it like to be go pretty much straight from the road back into the studio to record this album? Stu was produced by the legendary Gordy Johnson, past podcast guest. And what exactly did Gordy bring to the table? Stu is Wide Mouth Mason's funkiest album, so what were some of the influences that went into that sound. We're also going to talk about some of the things that came after the album's release, some of the opportunities that the band got, like getting to tour, getting to open up for rock and roll legends ACDC. What was that opportunity like? How did the crowd accept Wide Mouth Mason's sound? We're also going to take some time to talk about Wide Mouth Mason's latest album, the 2019 I Wanna Go With You. I Wanna Go With You sees Wide Mouth Mason switching to a much more traditional blues style, once again continuing to travel that road of various genres, various influences. So what exactly? went into the creation of this album. All of this and more on today's episode of the DTP, and it's all brought to you by DesertTigerMerch.com. And those new Heather blue and red shirts we were telling you all about, they're available right now. Yes, right now. Head to DesertTigerMerch.com to cop yourself one today. And now it's almost time to jump into this conversation with Safwan, but we need to set the mood. So how about one of the tracks off of 2000's Stew for you right now? This is Change. Change. Doing what you're told me 
Desert Tiger Podcast. It truly, truly does. All right. So, are you ready to jump into it? I'm ready. Okay, so let's uh, set a little bit of the background, the scenery here for Stu. Of course, you guys are coming off of Where I Stand in 1999, which was your second release under Warner Music Canada. So Stu releases in 2000. How much time did you guys have in between the studio sessions for this album? That era was crazy for us. We were literally, we'd be on the road for like 200, 250 days of the year. And then the remaining days would be spent either in studio recording or in smaller studios, demoing and writing. So it, it, there was never significant breaks other than maybe a couple of days here, maybe a week here and there. Um, and that this kind of exemplifies that we had finished put out where I started toured it a whole bunch and before you know it we were you know supposedly in downtime but really that just meant jamming more and creating uh, more embryos for songs and then doing the actual songwriting Um, and that ball started rolling really quickly we did most of that work in both Saskatoon and Edmonton by the time we got to Edmonton where we were properly demoing stuff in a small studio it just so happened that uh, our good friend, big brother, mentor, uh, Gordy Johnson, was in the province as well, and we linked up, and uh, a whole bunch of stuff started happening. Okay, so Gordy comes into the uh, fold here, because your first two albums were recorded at Greenhouse Studios in Vancouver then, so where exactly did Stu take shape? Was it there in Edmonton where you guys were doing the demos, or was it somewhere else? So it's sort of like it's foundational pieces and even some of what would ultimately end up on the final recordings was tracked in Edmonton. Some, a lot of the songwriting happened in both Edmonton and Saskatoon, but ultimately the, the bulk of the tracking and all of the mixing happened in Toronto at phase one studios. Okay. Okay. So with Gordy Johnson coming into the fold, it's, he's quite a, uh, big part of Canadian music history himself and he himself like you guys has also traveled quite a few different soundscapes and avenues what people would call genres I guess so Mm -hmm. you guys definitely took a little bit of a jump into a newer sound even with that short time and difference between the studio of where I stand and Stu so this funkier sound that Stu had, was this something that Gordy helped bring to the table or was this something that you guys were already naturally transitioning into yourselves? So it's actually both. Uh, we, the, the backdrop is the, the, the band, whenever we were on the road, which is like I said, quite often, we, it was kind of our unstated competition that we'd always just bring as much music as we could with us and try to expose other guys to it and get the other dudes to be like, Oh, that's killer, man. And, and, you know, you'd feel good if you like brought something to the table that someone had never heard before and it blew their minds. That was kind of the, the unspoken game that was going on all the time. And so when you're doing that, obviously you're going to start listening to a whole bunch of stuff and, and you're going to be pretty broad in terms of what your, what your repertoire is of stuff you're, you're checking out. 
and and fairly quickly, you know, Jimi Hendrix was kind of already a big influence on us right from the beginning. But at, by that point, we had dived deeper into things like his Band of Gypsies project. Sly and the Family Stone had become a staple for us. A lot of the Motown stuff had become really important to us, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder especially. Um, and so, you know, we were kind of on that path already. And the demos we were making in Edmonton, were reflective of that. So when Gordy came along, he kind of recognized that um, being as knowledgeable as he is about music, he recognized that immediately and kind of went off on that tangent and said, well, if you haven't checked out the meters, you should check out the meters. If you haven't checked out Gap Band, you should check out the Gap Band. And so he started adding additional pieces to it. And effectively, we had a period of where kind of the four of us sat down and deconstructed all of the things that were in these funky soulful records that we love you know what we we deconstructed to figure out well what are the component parts what makes those things undeniably funky and soulful and once we kind of had, had done our done our case study on that we applied that to the masonry right we, we ran it through the wide mouth basin filter with a lot of steering by gordy and, and you know playing the role of producer as producers do and the result was stew hmm. all right fantastic so the first single from Stu is Smile, which of most of the songs on this album has probably the least of the uh, funk influence. Was this simply because it was going to be a single and it was written for this influence, or was this song written before the rest of this album had been crafted? No, it was, I, I, you know, I, I don't even know that I'm, that it is less funky, but if, if that's what it sounds like, then I don't know that that was conscious. It's just kind of, you know, we've always been a band that just, we make music and we try to make songs that we all like. And if, if, you know, that means that sometimes one song or one album can sound markedly different from another, then so be it. We're, we're cool with that. We'd rather it be that than it sort of be a cookie cutter thing. Again, that's reflective of what we listened to. So Smile was, we didn't know it was going to be a single. We didn't know anything was going to be a single. When we were making albums, and still to this day when we make albums, we don't kind of approach it typically from that perspective of, you know, earmarking a song as a single potentially. We kind of just keep our eyes on the on the focus of make a good song, make the song be everything it can be. There's a, a, a phrase that one producer once told us that always stuck in my mind, and that was serve the song. And so that's what we try to do. And Smile was one that came from writing sessions we had for, uh, with our good friend, also mentor and big brother, Craig Northy from a band called Odds. Um, and that was one of the ones where we, we wrote it with him, and, and he had had a couple of little pieces laying around, and, and those were sort of the key elemental pieces of that. So maybe that's what you hear when you when it sounds like it's kind of un, unique uh, as juxtaposed against the other songs on Stu. Okay, interesting. So Stu also, well, I mean, everything else that you guys had done prior to that as well had built this opportunity, but Stu also brought some very big opportunities like the chance to tour with the illustrious ACDC. So what was that like and how did their audiences sort of embrace your guys' sound? <laughs> it was an interesting opportunity. It was a last second thing that came around. Uh, our business managers were also the business managers for ACDC and originally that tour that they did was called stiff upper lift tour 
was supposed to have uh, Slash's band opening, but something happened and he they couldn't do it last second. And so ACDC was scrambling and, and their business manager said, hey, I got a band for you. And so they checked us out and said, why don't you come do three shows as like a trial period to see if, if you dig it and we dig it and it works well. And so we flew down to, I think it was Florida, it started and we did those three shows and it went really well. Where we kind of like, you know, I said, we, we're, we're eclectic in terms of what we listen to and our, what we play is typically blues based, you know, if, even if it's, if it stretches far away from it, ultimately it's, it's rooted and steeped in the blues to some extent. And so we leaned on that kind of part of our catalog and that part of our, of what we play. Um, and the fans were, the audiences were really receptive. We were, you know, we didn't know how it was going to go. Again, we're in, in territories where no one's ever heard of us. And with a band that's, you know, so iconic, people, when they go to see ACDC, they don't go to see the opening act. They go to see ACDC because they want to, you know, wear horns and stomp their feet and yell and scream and have fun. So, yeah, it was, you know, there's certainly we thought this, this might be interesting, but at that point we'd been, we had so much experience being a touring act and been in so many different state stages that we, you know, we'd already done shows with the Rolling Stones at that point done done a tour with acdc played a whole bunch of stages with george thorogood like we were kind of used to seeing whatever was out there we played in, a, in the multiple jazz festival a couple times again as an unknown act an unknown entity so it was it, it, you know it wasn't like it was intimidating or anything but but yeah we certainly wondered you know like what's this gonna how's this gonna go how are they gonna react and it went really well so so much so that we ended up doing the whole tour with them uh, i think it was like 20 some dates Wow, that's uh, quite the opportunity. And like you said, you guys had had quite a few different chances as well. So you had already been on bigger stages and sort of had the feel of those different environments as opposed to the clubs. Yeah, I mean, and, and the clubs are good too, right? That's where you really cut your teeth and and the, the, the intimacy that you feel with an audience there. You can really read people when you're playing in a club. Um, and that feedback is immediate and you, and being able to react to it sort of on the fly is, is its own sort of skill set. So that was critical too. And us being able to go up on the big stages and say, yeah, we, we know what we're doing. We can go up here and, and do whatever needs to be done and, 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 and massage it on the fly if need be. Fantastic. So it's 2020 right now and you've made the decision to re-release Stu now. So what was it like to go into the decision to actually make this re-release and how has the process been like getting the permission from the record label and everything else that's involved with it? Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than I think we thought it would be. We've had, we've been, you know, from the beginning, we tried to be really interactive with our fans and, and, you know, for the last decade or so, maybe a bit more fans have been asking us to, to re-release the back catalog in vinyl. And we kind of have always, you know, tried to make it happen. But, you know, after a few attempts, you sort of start feeling like you get distracted by other stuff. You're making new music, you're on the road. I think in a weird way, COVID kind of, kind of uh, paved the way for us on this one because it, it meant we weren't doing shows um, and it meant we were at home a bunch. And so we could kind of dedicate more time and energy and effort into, into getting this to the finish line. And it, it was a bit of a complicated process. You got to, you know, these, these records were never made on vinyl in the first place. So they weren't mastered for vinyl. 
the artwork wasn't made for vinyl. Um, you know, the, the, the track sequence wasn't set up for vinyl, all that stuff. There's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you got to navigate. And, and, uh, and yeah, we were able to put the time and energy into it now. And with the help of Warner, the label who does have the rights to it, um, we finally got to the finish line. So we're pretty happy about it. And I'm sure many of those fans who have been waiting for these albums to maybe be released on vinyl, like you said, will also just be jumping with joy that this finally has come to light. We've gotten good reaction from people. They're pretty happy about it. And there's a, additionally, there's a, there's one track that, that was from those two sessions that didn't make the album um, and probably should have. But we're now releasing that as a as a as a brand new track, um, and it's going to be both on vinyl. I think there's a limited edition of singles of that on vinyl, um, and then down the road it'll get up on the streaming sites.
got to stay in motion Like the waves in the ocean The rivers to the sea Awesome. So you've also mentioned that the band is still releasing new music and touring and doing, you know, all of the fun band stuff. So in 2019, the group released I Want to Go With You, which saw you guys sort of shift more to a lot more of like a classic-y blues sound with Sean taking on the slide guitar. So once again, was this a conscious effort or... Was it just this time in your guys' musical progression that it was time to go back to the roots? Yeah, I think probably the latter. I, and you can't help but sort of be aware of what you're doing. So maybe there was a bit of conscious awareness of what we were doing. I think what had happened is over the course of the last few years, Sean had been developing a lap steel technique where he uses three slides on, on his left hand. And he honed it to the point where it had become a thing, like where, you know, he was writing songs using that method and where he was playing it live a bunch and where he was comfortable enough with it um, that he kind of owned it, you know? So the the embryos and songs that were coming out of that just felt like they kind of lived together as an album. And when we were, when we would occasionally like we do, take stock of where we were at in terms of embryos and songs and things that we wanted to think about for our next offering. There was a bunch of them that all came from that. He calls it tri slide, three slide that came from that tri slide technique that we thought, yeah, maybe this should be its own thing. Like it's, they all live well together. They all have uh, that thing in common that they were born from this method of playing. And they all have a really like rootsy traditional bluesy kind of feel to them. Um, more or less. So yeah, I guess I guess at the end of the day, it was a bit of both. It was or, organically where our, our our muse took us, and consciously what seemed to make sense from taking stock of things. So of course, with this, it's also been a little bit of a time since your guys's last album before that. So the music industry has taken a little bit of a change since then. How people take in their music has changed as well so how has the band gone about taking on those challenges yeah the business side of things certainly we've seen a bunch of different stuff in our in our time as a as a band and it's it's been interesting and challenging and fun at the end of the day i think people want to hear music that that touches them that 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 moves them that makes them feel something whatever the whatever the, the the distribution method is, whatever the mechanism is that they're accessing that music through. For us, live has always been a really important part of who and what we are and what we do. So, you know, the COVID thing has been hard in terms of not doing shows. We're really missing it, as are our fans from what they're telling us. So that's a key piece of how we get music to people. Um, in terms of the actual, like, recording side of things, 
yeah, it's, streaming is a is a is the new model, right? That's what everyone's doing. So you make sure you're available there. There's interesting commentary and conjecture about how, you know, I saw the the, the Spotify founder recently saying, well, you know, you, artists in this era need to now be able to release music more often and offer things at a quicker rate um, because that's where we're at vis-a-vis streaming. And, you know, I guess there's, I guess there's some truth to that, but I also feel like, you know, the, the medium shouldn't shape the listener. The listener should shape the medium to a certain extent. So ultimately, again, I think people engage with stuff they like and, and art that moves them and connects, they feel connected to. And if you can find a way to make that somewhat readily accessible, they will come and engage with that. And that's what we do. So, you know, it is what it is. We're in a streaming we're in a streaming paradigm, and so we will release our stuff via streaming. And whatever the next thing is, we'll release it using that medium. Those things will never really stop us from making music. Okay, for sure. And yes, just based on, like you said, the comments from Spotify and some of the comments you made earlier, it's sometimes you have to serve the song, and if you're trying to serve the pace at which the uh, distribution service wants you to release things, then sometimes maybe necessarily the song might suffer. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think you, look, good artistic creative output doesn't really, isn't dictated by business models, right? It's dictated by creative, the muse and by um, creative vision. And so it follows its own timeline and, you, you as the as the you know people making it as the artists who are effectively the kind of vehicle for that you you try to serve that process as best you can and the and typically the longer you've been doing it the, the better you get at understanding what's required in a given situation mm-hmm. for sure for sure so you've mentioned that the live show is definitely one of the uh, bigger aspects of trying to bring new music to the fans. So as the band has shifted to this newer sound and the slide guitar, how has the stage show shifted with it? And have you guys altered some of the previous songs in order to fit sort of the slide guitar method? Yeah, good question. We, uh, you know, first of all, just at kind of a base level, it's physically a different thing because Sean has to either stand or sit to play um, slide the way he plays it. So, you know, it creates a different kind of vibe and look and feel on stage. So far, um, we've been incorporating some of the newer songs um, as a segment of the whole set. As it starts to become a bigger and bigger part of it, we did one show, like a, a kind of a sneak peek, um, you know, album release kind of thing. Uh, where we did the whole album, the whole uh, I Want to Go With You, and that was, you know, the first time we had done that, and it was it was cool. It was a good vibe, it was a good vibe, but different sort of feel to it. As we move forward, we'll, we'll, we'll be doing more of that, but we'll also, typically, we, we always include kind of back catalog because there's a bunch of people out there who want to hear it who are our fans, and so we don't want to, we don't want to leave them feeling like they didn't get what they came for to some extent. So it'll always be a mix of new and old, and it'll likely be a mix of of sitting down or standing up and playing slide and and not. So, yeah, I think you you kind of 
you can expect everything uh, and anything when you come to our show. Okay, fantastic. And of course, like you've also mentioned earlier, the whole COVID situation has sort of affected being able to play shows for now. So while the world gets over and heals from that whole situation, how has Widemouth Mason continued to stay connected with their fans besides doing this re-release? Yeah, so, I mean, there is... I have plenty of critiques of social media, but there's also things to applaud about it, and this is one instance where you can do so in that it allows you direct access to and interaction with your fan base and anyone else out there who may become part of your fan base. And so, you know, we're pretty active on our socials. Sean pretty consistently puts up uh, new little bits and pieces that he's doing on, on the, again, through his tri-slide technique, whether that's covers of songs or pieces of songs or original material or just random ramblings. I think he probably puts one up almost he probably does like four or five in a week every week. So it's pretty engaged on there. He's pretty active on there, which, which is a good way to stay connected with people. And other than that, it's, you know, you try to put out this music and you, you cross your fingers and hope we can start doing shows again soon. What else does the future hold for wide mouth Mason? Of course, plans probably have changed due to once again, this whole situation, but as of right now, where do you see the future going? Well, you know, we have a good 25 years now to look back on. And if, if uh, history is a good predictor of the future, I'd say we're going to keep making albums. We're going to keep touring as much as we can. We're going to keep, you know, exploring different things. We're going to keep looking to collaborate with other musicians that we like and that we get along with. And that's it. It'll be, it'll be more of the same, but also different. And hopefully we'll be back doing shows by next summer. Already some of our summer shows that were supposed to happen this year have been moved to next year. So if, uh, if the situation allows it, then we'll be back on the road shortly and, uh, and, and hopefully keep that going until the next interruption. <laughs> no doubt. And by next summer, all of the fans will have had their new copy, their new vinyls of stew. We'll have all the songs jammed, stuck in their heads again, and they will be just waiting for that opportunity to come and see them live. Awesome. <laughs> all right, Safwan, thank you so much for joining me here today to tell us all about Stu and all about your latest album, I Want to Go With You. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you... The Ambush appreciated this conversation with Safwan of Widemouth Mason, where he took us behind the scenes of not only their album Stew, but their latest album, I Wanna Go With You. And you heard one track off of both of these albums today. We kicked off today's episode with Change off of Stew, and then in the middle of the show we played bodies in motion for you which is the lead track off of i wanna go with you and both of these albums both of these songs all of wide mouth mason's catalog is available yes on your favorite music streaming service right now so head on over there and jam yourself some wide mouth mason right 
with that being said, it's time for my final roaring DTP. Thank you too. Saf Javid for joining us here today. And I also want to go ahead and thank the incredible, fantastic Eric Alper for going ahead and setting the whole thing up. And then last but not least, it is you, the mighty, loyal, dedicated Hambush for joining us here once again today, for tuning in as you always do. Yes. Thank you so much if it's your first time joining us here on Desert Tiger. Becoming a part of the ambush is easy. As easy as hitting subscribe on your favorite podcast listening service. Maybe it's the one that you're using right now. You can also help the show grow by reviewing us. If the said service happens to offer you that option, you can share this episode. It's as easy as taking a snapshot and when you share it, Please tag Desert Tiger, me, Colton G, or Widemouth Mason when you do, so we can show you some love. You can also support the show by heading on over to DesertTigerMerch.com and grabbing some of those new Heather blue and red shirts, or really, anything that we have going on there. One of the hats, one of the tubes, one of the tank tops. We've got all sorts of options for you guys, so that you can rep the show wherever you go. Alright, we are coming to a close right away, so... Next Friday on the show, we're joined by Mike Robbins, former member of Autumn Hill, member of East Adelaide, and he is finally releasing his debut single as a solo artist, Lightning Don't Strike Twice. And we're going behind the scenes of it right here next Friday on the Desert Tiger Podcast. So until then, you know what it is. I want you to put your paws in the sand and travel across the desert to find your desert oasis, to find your mountaintop, whatever it is that happens to make your heart sing to its fullest capacity. I want you to find that. I want you to go there and let your roar carry out across the valley. Show your craft off to the world. Because it is beautiful, just like you are. And until next week, bye bye my precious tiger cubs. <laughs>